0: And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe
1: and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com/pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I mean, surely it can't be that cold in Sydney that you need to be dressed in a beanie and, like, fingerless gloves like Fagin from <laughs> Oliver Twist. <laughs> like, what is that about? I don't understand.
2: Well, I'm just I'm in my spare bedroom and the sun just doesn't hit the side of the building. So.
1: Do you, <laughs> you not know, have I'm, heating?
2: We, well, not in this room, no. It's like one of these old, like, 60s block kind of buildings. And, you know, on one side we've got the water and there's palm trees, but then if you go around the other side of the building, there's ferns and
1: <laughs> slugs <laughs> and things like that. <laughs> What are you doing? Why are you picking? What are you doing? Why is your arm up? <laughs> I don't know. My elbows are so
2: dry at the moment. Do you need a cream? Sometimes if I've been at a pub, which, you know, isn't happening at the moment, uh, we don't need to talk about lockdowns or anything. We can ignore that. No, we're over uh, here about lockdown. Yeah, but, you know, if I've been drinking a beer and sitting at a table for hours and hours, I'll be, like, pivoting on one elbow. So I think that... Um, somehow i've been doing that while i've been working and my elbows just dried right up
1: <laughs> this is such yeah. such a strange conversation
2: i know <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> all right okay fine yeah. look
1: shall we do this okay play the damn theme song
2: here we go go now (laughs) how long is it since we did the recording it's been about a week now I think it has yeah yeah um and I just wanted to ask you does the name Sophie Faulkner mean anything to you
1: okay firstly I'm obsessed with Sophie Faulkner and I think I know why you're asking (laughs) Uh, who is she I can tell you all about Sophie Faulkner because she's a beautiful national treasure um Sophie Faulkner is a television presenter, an Australian television presenter and model um, and spokeswoman. She was a um, letter turner. She was the co-hostess on Wheel of Fortune. And in the f- previous episode of Fruity Alexia, you asked me who replaced Adriana Exenides as the letter turner. No, that was not letter turner because <laughs> letter turner was a sale of the century. Was it? Yeah, no, letter, no. letter turning was sale of the century. Wheel of Fortune, no, was Wheel of s- Fortune
2: still had a letter turner. Oh, it did too. Yeah, okay, yeah. Sorry, I stand Can corrected. Can I please have you- an E for egg bird? That's
1: right. And <laughs> and then- <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You did. That's yeah. right. So, so sorry. So Adriana yeah. identities when she um, left. You're thinking of the home viewer. I probably am. So Adriana Exendides, when she left, they replaced her with Sophie Faulkner, the beautiful young blonde ingenue. Livinia Nixon did come on and do it much later. I got it incorrect, although Livin Nixon is also a treasure, but I I got it completely wrong. Sophie Faulkner is a total babe. She went on to do like Great Outdoors and a whole bunch of other different shows and, you know, was a spokeswoman for Burley and a whole bunch of other different brands and she's great and we love her. So I apologise to any Sophie Faulkner diehards out there for omitting her from last week's episode (laughs) unfairly.
2: Yeah, well, I'd, I mean, I jumped in fairly wholeheartedly, saying yes, it was definitely Lavinia too. So I'd <laughs> <laughs> I think we've both had false ear.
1: Well, you know, Lavinia, you re- the reason I yeah. think we got it wrong, or I got it wrong, and that you encouraged it was mm. because Lavinia Nixon did replace Joe Beth Taylor. Really? Oh, hang on, It hey My- hey Saturday.
2: Oh, hey, hey, okay. Right. So
1: we we weren't entirely incorrect, but. Yeah. Is Jackie incorrect. Weaver
2: in there somewhere? Anyway, Jackie, <laughs> anyway. Jackie McDonald, not Jackie, Jackie Weaver. Jackie McDonald, that's it. We're going to end up having to make more.
1: There's so many corrections in this show.
2: Yeah, next week is just corrections from the previous two. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jackie McDonald, if you're listening, you know, sorry. Yeah. Jackie Weaver also, if you're listening, sorry. Yeah,
2: and I hope you're listening. It would be great <laughs> if she was a listener. Um, did you? Yeah, any other corrections while we're just on the topic from last yes, week? Yes, I have to yeah. say...
1: I also flubbed a bit of information. I gave you the wrong information last week about Grant Thomas Management. Grant Thomas Management, I said, um, managed human nature. They didn't manage human nature. They actually, Grant Thomas Management managed uh, Crowded House and Alex Lloyd and George and a, a bunch of different acts. But
2: Nobody can manage human nature.
1: That <laughs> <laughs> um, Human nature was managed by a different company called um, Caplice management, which oh,
2: they could manage human <laughs> nature.
1: In my defense, let me explain. Caprice management were the second managers that Bardo had. So after Bardo um, broke their contract with Grant Thomas Management, which was after the show finished, they actually went to Caprice management. So in my defense, i I kind of was wrong. But also kind of right-ish.
2: Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I officially forgive you, and so <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank you. And so I mean, too will our listeners.
2: Yeah, and like, welcome to my world of remembering facts incorrectly and then repeating them, and <laughs> thinking you're okay, and uh, everything's wrong and confusing. And I'm not used to it. Yeah. Well, you know, I've got plenty of hints to lull you into this world. It's going to get worse <laughs> as you get older. So. <laughs> Great!
1: Can't wait.
2: Yeah, I had a question actually because I do I do the editing of the podcast and. I came across a bit where you said, I'm a total Katie Underwood Stan. Oh, Stan. I thought, oh no, he's made a mistake and I'll cut it out. And then I was like, oh, the sentence doesn't make sense. I'll just leave it in because, you know, it might, if you're listening quickly, it might sound like you say fan. But then you said it again later when we were on a phone call.
1: Yeah. And I realised I just don't know what that means. Well, bless you, you <laughs> poor, <laughs> poor simple man from yesteryear. All the kids out there listening oh, are rolling right. their eyes. It's um, Stan is modern day lingo. In fact, it's not even that yeah. modern day. Um, Stan is like, you know, if you're like a diehard fan okay. for somebody. And I think, and I could be wrong, people, please feel free to let us know in you know, whether it's a comment on Instagram or a DM, I think Stan comes from the Eminem song Stan, which is about that fan, the the song that Eminem wrote about a fan. Yeah, gotcha. They're like being stalkery. it's about having a diehard fan. Yeah, gotcha. Um, I believe that's where it comes from. So if you're like, you know, for you, you are like an Ace of Base (laughs) Stan. For me, I'm a Danny Minogue Stan. Yeah, or
2: an Afghani Stan. (laughs) (laughs)
1: No, <laughs> <laughs> a, a Pakistan. Pakistan. No, okay. we are not uh, any of those duns. We are. We are. Not, that's not what the stand means. Discourage you using that version. Okay. Of it.
2: All right, we can move on then. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of faux pas, <laughs> I was I was listening back and I was a bit worried about like I kept saying girls instead of contestants. I keep meaning to say contestants. Sometimes I might say girls when I'm referring to them, and you know, I apologise.
1: Yeah. You know what? <laughs> You know what? I, I think I understand why you yeah. want to correct that. Been
2: cancelled on Twitter. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Look, we're gonna we'll be here forever if we're gonna try That's and true. correct yeah. everything that we say, and we're gonna say stuff that is quite organic and natural to us of a twenty something year. What? How long we've we been friends? Like hundred and fifty years, yeah. really. So we're gonna have a dialogue and a you know exactly vocabulary between us. So I think we're not gonna be able to kind of clock watch it. Yeah, it's true. Um, you know, retrospectively. Um, yeah change it and apologise for everything. So those of you who are listening who are offended by Alex or I referring to the contestants as girls, sorry, but we're probably going to do it in the future. Yeah. No offence intended. And, you know,
2: we're, we're trying to learn. You know, we grew up in Hobart, which wasn't exactly the most uh, woke place <laughs> uh, when we were there sure. as teenagers. But, um, yeah, we're, we're trying to learn and so, you know, feel free to call us out if we say anything really horrible. Speaking of Hobart. Speaking of. Yeah, I was chatting to my dad earlier in the Oh, week. bless him. Do you know that he was a... Do you remember he was a limo driver for a while? I remember because he picked my dad up yeah. from the airport once, But remember? guess who else he picked up from the airport once and drove them around for a whole day.
1: I mean, obviously in the context of this show... Yeah, <laughs> I was
2: hoping for a big reveal there, but yes, we're doing a whole podcast about Bardot at the moment. So.
1: Guessing it's probably going to yeah. be Bardot.
2: That's yeah, it. Oh my yeah. God. Well, Ooh, Maybe I'll put some sound effects <laughs> under that or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, amazing.
1: People cheering. So, but <gasps> he was saying
2: that they were all sick, basically, and rather than like he was supposed to be taking them to like HOFM. Yes, that's the name of the radio station down in Hobart. <laughs> HOFM. I don't know if it is anymore. No, it's not anymore. It was at the time anyway. Um, but instead, he just took them to like Gould's, the pharmacy, to get like tissues and nasal sprays and stuff, so that they could actually perform that night. I actually don't know if they cancelled all their that show or something. I don't know.
1: They they very possibly could have. I remember them coming to Hobart for a record signing, and I remember going and getting CDs signed. Um, it was in Murray Street. It was in a little CD store that is not there anymore, obviously. Yeah. But it was like, I think it was called Into Music oh, or something. Yeah. I'm not quite sure, but it was called something anyway, and it was, you know, Solders? billions no. of people lined up down the street and, oh, it was crazy. Hobart had really had never seen anything like it, yeah. I don't think.
2: And the other thing I found out when I was talking to my dad was, you know, I thought we'd come up with a great pun, fruity Alexia, and the other thing he did before he was a limo driver was he used to work at a bottle shop. And apparently they used to call their boss Fruity Alexia. <laughs> so yeah, he really? don't like it was his Th- when he heard the name he was like, "All oh, right, yeah, yeah, that's what we used to call my boss back at the, you know, the pub I worked in." <laughs> so, that's so uh,
1: funny. Was that was it a guy I or a girl? I think it was a girl
2: Alexia. Yeah, a contestant I should say.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a contestant in life.
2: Okay, well, I thought I'd just do a really quick recap this week because actually not a lot – there's not a lot of stuff that happens in this episode, but you learn more about characters. So I I think I'll just whiz through, you know, a little bit of a recap. So I've written it down, see if you can tell if I'm reading or not. In this episode, the judges are culling, so they start with 52 and go down to 25 by the end of the episode. Now the contestants are finding out if they're going to Sydney or not. Um, It's – It starts on a later round of callbacks, I think. Um, They're still in their home cities and they're making the contestants do group work, which actually we need to discuss later how much I love group work. (laughs) And they're all given like 10 minutes to choreograph the whole song. (laughs) Um, And then the judges are just watching the tape from the group work for the rest of the show from like the privacy of their own office. So they're basically doing what we're doing. Like It almost looks like they're watching the show on a tiny TV in their office. And deciding who's going to come to Sydney from that. And then a large chunk of the episode is, you know, them on the phone to the contestants or with their family. Like the contestants have their families sitting around them and the judges say if yay or nay you're going to Sydney or not. And then there's a bit of a storyline around piercings as well, um, which seems to take up more time than some of the other (laughs) storylines, which is a very odd thing for reality TV. I don't think, like, you wouldn't see a whole. You know, half an episode taken up on Lego Masters with one of the contestants having a piercing. <laughs> <I
1: don't>
2: <laughs> okay, so you've just watched the show.
1: I have. Uh, that is correct. What
2: did What did you think? Out of ten, how did you did you like this episode?
1: You know, probably when it was first run, I probably loved the episode. But watching it back now, I just kind of was really bored. I just thought, God, this is this isn't going This one is. I it? mean. It was so daggy. It was a bit annoying, really. It was just kind of the same, the same kind of footage over and over and over again. Of basically, well, the same premise anyway, over and over and over again. It wasn't very exciting. There wasn't much light or dark. There was no kind of context to it. It was just kind of a bit blah, yeah, it really, was funny,
2: wasn't it? And a lot of it. I mean, it seems to be like Michael Napthali's starring week this week because you know it's mostly him just on the phone. Oh,
1: doesn't it ever? <laughs> Yeah, sitting in his little office in his little Sydney Terrace yeah. or whatever it is, and, you know, he's ringing everybody on these landlines, you know, with a fax machine in the background and, you know, he's calling everybody Michael here from the Pop Stars mm. Project.
2: It's, it's like very formal.
1: There's a camera crew in their house. They know that yeah. you're calling. And also the Pop Stars Project. I think that's probably, you know, like was a working title back in yeah, the but day. Yeah, don't show
2: the audience that, you know. You want it to be slick. and Yeah, like yeah. totally. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it can t- yeah, I don't know, there's something about it. I can't tell if he's working from home, but it's clearly like a bit of a um bougie suburb in Sydney, like maybe a Paddington or I don't know if Surrey Hills was that yeah. bougie at the time actually, but it's one of those like terracy houses that are very coveted these days. And, you know, he looks right at home there with his, you know, <laughs> I'm too cool for everyone it's such a, attitude.
1: Well, you can see that it's kind of this fabulous home, but then you can also see that clearly the desk has been put in the middle of the room just to film yeah. around it. You know, it just sort of sits in the middle of the space. It's this weird sort of and room. And it's funny,
2: I don't know how much we see of the other two judges other than them sitting in the bigger, Warner, I'm assuming it's the Warner Music offices and all three of them are there, you know, with the half-open packeted. Tim Tams and Twisty sitting in front of them while they munch yeah. away and watch these in, poor contestants. <laughs> I assume it's yeah. the um,
1: Warner Music Office. It's um, an awful boardroom, isn't it? sort of got this really tacky green, emerald green laminate kind of cabinetry that the TV is kind of sitting inside and they're just kind of sitting around this table just watching playback of all the different girls around in their different home cities, um, you know, having done their little group work. Um, it's quite strange really, because the only judge that we kind of have interact with the camera in the whole episode really is Michael Napthalai. So it's a bit bit strange because you kind of feel like the other two are kind of afterthoughts, you know, Jackie O and Chris Moss, which is quite strange because, you know, you wouldn't you'd be thinking it'd be the record label, wouldn't you, that would be doing yeah, the calls.
2: I wonder if it was a decision by the producers of the documentary because they were like, Oh, you know, he's
1: Young and Hip or something. Maybe.
2: Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But it was a strange episode and I'm going to blame Michael Knapp for life for that one. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd sort of forgotten that. as well that like they ask them to go and do group work so they're, this is, they're back in their home cities still and haven't been sent to Sydney yet. And their final assignment is to basically, here's a song, go away into groups of five and choreograph what I'm presuming is like a two-and-a-half-minute song uh, in ten minutes like with people you've never met before. Like it's going to take you a minute and a half to say all the hellos. And it just brought back all this anxiety about, I don't know, like if you get asked to do a group project or something like that at uni, it's always just the most horrible thing because, you know, you're relying on your marks to get your degree and stuff like that. And then you suddenly put in like this group of four people and there's always, you know, one person who's really keen and wants to do it well someone who's kind of half keen but has lots of ideas that makes it difficult for anyone to make a decision and then two people who just don't do anything at all <laughs> and so ultimately you know uh, you know i ended up doing a lot of the you know a lot of the heavy lifting and everyone else got the, the hds from the work i did
1: <laughs> i don't know yeah. if it um i did don't know if it reminds me of um University because I didn't go to university, but um, definitely group work sends a shiver up my spine. I think in like the context of doing auditions or you know um, workshopping um, plays or whatever, you know you're often lumped together with different people, and um, you know you obviously everybody at an audition wants to be the person that's the star, right? (laughs) And so in that little period of time, people you know people are watching you and how you work as a team, but they also want to know that you're a standout, that you're a star, that you can portray oh. different emotions and characters and all these different things. So it's kind of a battle of the egos and wills. And, and really that's kind of what this was as well. I mean, chuck them together, random in random groups of five, go ahead, sing a song, dance, choreograph it, whatever. Um, and, you know, the songs that they were given were really weird songs. Like one of them was My Sharona. One of them was, also, yeah, My Sharona, what a weird choice. One of them was Mustang <laughs> yeah. Sally, which is the only one you keep hearing repeated over and over again, yeah. and Celebration by calling the Gang, which is the other one you hear over and over again. Yeah. It's really, really strange like the choice of songs that they're given that, I mean, clearly no girl band in their right mind would, would do My Sharona. I don't imagine. No, It just is ridiculous. So, you know, you can kind of see that they've all basically just chosen Celebration and Mustang Sally. I don't know if that was on purpose so that they got a good understanding of Mm. The same song with different voices? I don't know. It was weird.
2: So, of course, you know, why we're really here is to um, reminisce about all the contestants that we know and love, um, the ones that make us, the ones that don't, the ones that stuck in our brains, the ones that we never thought of ever again. (laughs) We should put that in the ad. Anyway, um, so uh, I think one of my favourites is Reggae Hill still. Yes, yeah, me
1: too. I loved her. She was great.
2: Yeah, and she won me over because she sings Ace of Bass, which straight away, you know, she gets a place in my, uh, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. in
1: your your heart just for singing an Ace of Bass song. Exactly, Um, yeah. She was so good. I really liked her, and I know you really liked her as well. And um, you know, and I think they say um, the narrator even says, you know, Reggae Hill has a unique voice and a down-to-earth personality. And then it kind of cuts to Chris Moss. You know, everyone sitting around a table, yeah. the judges, and He's Chris got a Moss cup goes of soup in his hand, and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <with a cup laughs> of chocolate around his mouth in his yeah. hand, <laughs> and he goes, he says something to the effect of, "We're all looking for that flaw." Yeah. And I'm like, why are they looking for a flaw with her? I mean, they reference her appearance, they reference her dancing, but her voice is unique and lovely and up to scratch. But then he says, we're all looking for that flaw." Yeah, it's
2: funny, isn't it? Because clearly she can do the dancing and stuff like that. But the other thing that he says is, you know, she's dancing competently, but he kind of goes, it's not a question of whether she can do it or not. It's about how she looks when she does it. So Mm. that's what I like... They're looking for a flaw because they just don't think she fits the cookie cutter, I yeah. think. And they're like, how are we, <laughs> either how are we going to break it to her or how are we going to justify this on national TV <laughs> without looking bad?
1: It's weird that they would even leave that in. I mean, today they would never leave that in. I mean, can you imagine if it was an episode of The Voice and you've got these people that spin around in their chairs, these famous judges, and they're like, mm, yeah, nah, she doesn't look like somebody I want on my team. <laughs> spin yeah. me back around. I mean, it, would, <laughs> it just wouldn't happen. <laughs> So weird. I can't believe they left it in, but yeah, it was pretty gross. I have to say, it was pretty gross.
2: Yeah. And then that's the next funny thing is that, like, Ma- Michael Napthalize, they're calling everybody and he picks up and spe- to speak to Reggae and goes, I s- suspect you were expecting a call. And yeah, of course.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. The camera crew, of course, the camera crew is in her home. We, we know that, you know, she's obviously going to get shafted. And so they're just there to film the heartbreak.
2: Yeah. Yeah, clearly, it's and it's sort of doubly worse, I think, because you're going to be, if they've got the camera crew at your house, you're clearly thinking in your head they wouldn't go to all this effort unless
1: exactly, are in it. <laughs> Especially because it was like the first version of this type of program, so, you yeah. know, you would have assumed that, oh, they're not going to go to this much trouble if they're just going to, you know, reject me. And, um, you know, then when he hangs up the phone, look, I think she handles it pretty well, to be honest. I yeah. think, you know, she, she handles it pretty well and, uh, this is reggae, she handles it pretty well and she she kind of goes, you know, okay, back to music school on Monday. You know, she yeah, looks really right. upset, but she's trying so I, hard not to cry. I
2: do love before that though, she's like as soon as the phone hangs up, she sort of freezes and the mum sort of tries to console her and she actually like spots her away, <laughs> like, go <"Get> away, Mum, <laughs> I'm trying like because clearly she's yeah, trying not to burst cry, into don't tears. Cry, but, don't cry, don't you know, if cry. anything interrupts it, like the yeah. poor mother. <laughs> well, it's and weird. Swatted and then, away.
1: <laughs> it's weird. And then um, you know, Michael knaps like, says to the camera back in his office, you know, she knew in her heart she wasn't going to make it. I'm like, did she? did she? It sounds like all of you thought she was good, but then you just didn't think she looked right. So why should she have any reason to think she wasn't going to make it because she was good enough except for her aesthetic? Yeah. It was such a weird <laughs> thing to say, especially because he said himself that he thought her voice was good. It was so weird. Yeah. It was a bit icky. I thought. It was you know, the annoying. other one that was really strange to me was, um, you know, my little personal favourite, Cherry Weston Pierce. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Who had the tongue. She's stu- another down-to-earth to one.
2: And, like, they do a bit of a she's from the country sort of.
1: Yeah, they kind of paint her as, like, this yokel, local hippie kind of thing. Yeah. Which I guess probably she was given that she had a, a tongue ring at the time to those people. They probably thought she was so strange. <laughs> um, but, you know, they're sitting, the judges are sitting around a table and Jackie O's like, you're both crossing her out. And Chris Moth is like, no. And, and Michael Nathalie is like, that bolt's got to come out before she goes to Sydney, but she can sing. And Jackie O is like, well, we'll tell her to take it out. Yeah, like, duh. <laughs> like, obviously, take it out. It's easy to do and easy to say. Like, if she's good, she's good. It's irrelevant about the tongue piercing. It's so strange. And it's such a dramatic overkill for a tongue piercing or a piercing at all. When piercings were all the rage at the time, they were so huge. You know, tongue piercings, nose piercings, librettes, Monroe's, everything was super, super big. Eyebrow rings especially as a, <laughs> you know, as a person who wants, um, you know, wore an eyebrow ring with great pride.
2: And might yet still wear one.
1: And might yet still do it just for you to <laughs> yeah. celebrate the end of this <laughs> podcast. Um, but I love that, you know, it was such a big thing at the time. Um, you know, and Killing Heidi was had a record out and Ella Hooper, she had a librette and an eyebrow piercing and there was no issue there. And, she
2: was alternative though.
1: Well, she was, but so was Jerry. Obviously, yeah. in a way. She just you know, needed,
2: she needed to be on the hottest 100 instead. I yeah, <laughs> on Triple J or something. <laughs> yeah. It was so
1: strange. And I love that Michael yeah. Natfly, who's the one who's so anti it, he's the one who's so anti it, he then goes, well, it looks great, but it doesn't sound right. It's like.
2: Mm. In a funny <sighs> way, actually listening to it, and maybe they just pick like a little clip specifically um, to illustrate this point, but it does give her a tiny bit of a lisp. which Sure, would, totally, yeah. it does. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, tongue piercings always give people a lisp, even if it's um, not for singing. So that that makes sense. But it's easy enough to take it out, and it's certainly strange if you liked everything else about it that you wouldn't ask her to do it. Mm. And, and then you know, they her friend or I don't know a sister or well, yeah, or somebody, you say
2: it's easy enough to take it out, but you know, clearly her friend or oh, her mum, you know, they, they both come on. Yeah, it was like you know Cinderella and the or the prince. You know,
1: <laughs> I've never seen such a carry on about a piercing. Yeah, my god, you know the the friend or the sister or whatever she gets a gets a towel and she puts it up and in, in, into Cherry's mouth and tries to undo it and she can't get yeah. it done and, oh, I can't undo it, it's really tight, you know, oh, it's all for the TV cameras. And then, yeah. you know, a little bit later in the episode, you know, Cherry has to go into some kind of piercing shop <laughs> and some heavily tattooed, pierced man puts on these, you know, surgical gloves and takes her into a back room and just easily yeah just with half one a second later one half turn yeah one half turn it's off and he very sarcastically goes oh my goodness that was hard <laughs> again obviously for the camera he obviously was not having a bar of it yeah. but it was just so weird because it was so um you know basic and crudely produced i mean so overproduced for what it was and and so produced uh, produced in such a way that was like lame yeah so lame like my only Ugh. thought was
2: maybe absolutely nothing else happened and if it was just going to be a whole show of Michael Napthali speaking into a telephone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I mean, that's probably true. Yeah. It was pretty much the only story arc in the whole thing.
2: I was thinking with Cherry, though, she could have done the, the old tooth trick with it instead of going to the uh, the tattoo guy. Do you know the one where you tie the string around it and then tie the string to the door and you get someone to slam are the door and it <laughs> pulls you? Are you
1: kidding? <laughs> Are you kidding? It you, would rip a hole through the poor girl's tongue. She'd look like a bloody lizard at the end of it. That is not a good idea. Anybody listening? List. Anybody listening with a tongue piercing? Do not take that advice. That's a bad idea.
2: Okay. All right.
1: That's <laughs> stick to pop culture, Alex. Okay. Stick to pop culture, not well, medical things I'll like that. Some
2: plans I need to cancel tomorrow. Anyway.
1: Um. <laughs> oh look, and we also got to see our um. Our good friend, Our Dorothy Gutuba.
2: We did, yeah. And you know,
1: they're still talking about how shy she is, but, yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, what more do they want from her? I think, she, you know, she's standing there singing and moving, con- like she's even moving confidently in this one. They're probably even just showing the same footage as we saw last time, I imagine. They
1: are, yeah. Yeah, and I just can't. It's the same footage.
2: Yeah, I can't work that one out. But did this, did she go on to do other stuff with, Yeah, was it with Warner?
1: She uh, Not with Warner. She right. went on to do... Um, she and two other girls who were um, who didn't make it through yeah. went on to have a single that failed to chart. It was a, a cover of um, it was a song called "Imperfect Girl," right? And it was they had a, it was a B side that was a cover of "Perfect." It's got to be, oh, which is one of the audition songs. Right. So you know, it was a cute song and and. Dorothy was great in that song, but it just failed to chart. I presume because it was an independent label or something, and it just didn't really do anything. Yeah. I, of course, bought it. <laughs> <laughs> Disaster, got a it <laughs> surprise. Of course, I still have it. If I'm throwing that out. It's probably it'll be in one of my boxes. Is it signed by
2: Dorothy Gutuba?
1: <laughs> I will have to send it to Kenya now to get it signed. <laughs> now she'll have like three PA's in her Netflix office, and they'll be like, "Yeah, nah, send yeah. it back to us." I wonder
2: how she'd react. She'd either be very, very flattered, or she'd. Smash it and throw it in the bin.
1: <laughs> I think she'd probably smash it. <laughs>
2: it's a younger Dorothy. I'm no longer her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> oh, and then we see um, we see Sophie Monk and, um, you know, she was great and the judges are sitting around in their room and they're watching a video of her doing uh, performing Happy Birthday, Mr. President. Yeah, that's which, right. Which was quite weird because it wasn't actually, you know, in the recap, sorry, in the episode that we, you and I watched, um, episode one, last week, they didn't actually play that part. It wasn't actually in it. Yeah. So whoever uploaded it must not have recorded that particular part. But I do remember her singing that, you know, I think there was a bit of conversation in the first episode and they said to her something like, you know, what do you do for a job? And she said, I am I work at Movie World as a Marilyn Monroe impersonator or something. And then they asked her to sing Happy Birthday, I think, to Chris Moss or, or somebody and she performs it and she does it. So that's what they're watching back, which is really weird because in the original episode that we saw, you know, this time around she sings My Heart Will Go On yeah the
2: amazing thing about that is though how do you remember this in such detail from 20 years ago
1: (laughs) (laughs) you know what my memory is like for this crap (laughs) I pretty much can remember things frame by frame. It's weird. I'm like a savant of some kind. Yeah. I'm like a I'm like a trashy pop culture savant.
2: If only you could apply it to something useful.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I could apply it to something that I can make money from. Hey, how about a podcast? Oh. Go out there and pay us. That was such a good segue. <laughs> that was so smooth. Link's in only the Pro description. Only come yeah. up with that.
2: But we'll yeah, work look, on the, that, yeah.
1: Yeah, we'll have to work on that. But the, the thing about that Sophie um, moment in this episode is you know, as she comes in the screen, they're like, yeah, 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 kind of thing. Oh, we like her, we like her. And then Chris Moss, he really perks up. He sits up really straight and he goes, we love Sophie. I mean, as soon as she comes on screen, it's just like this sort of, you know, his moustache almost sort of like starts to flicker.
2: You can always see like the table rising below him (laughs) and like all the pens start to roll down and his (laughs) cup of soup <laughs> <Spilled>. <laughs> it was so really uncomfortable. Gross, it? <laughs> it
1: was sort of like you know those kind of like um, I don't know like an Abbott and Costello movie from like the 30s or 40s or whatever, where like you know their braces and their their, their suspenders kind of you know stretch and like their moustache spins around on their face and you know steam comes out their ears or whatever. It was kind of like <laughs> that. It was a weird moment, and he was, was you know his arms, he sort of sorry his eyebrows kind of went up and down like you know the kind of guy that flashes his trench coat and goes, "You want to buy a watch?" Yeah, you know it's, it's kind of like we love Sophie.
2: It's funny, is this yeah, a weird thing. <laughs> but I, I reckon Jackie O clocks it and tries oh, to totally. like tamp it down a bit because she says something like, "What does she say?" She was.
1: Oh, she says something like, "Oh, well, she was a bit lost though when we put her in the group." Yeah, and you know, and Chris Moss is like, "Yeah, yeah, cool, uh, yeah, that's true." And I was just thinking, and of course, we have this the benefit of you know history on our side here to be able to do this, but I was thinking when when they're talking about how she was a bit lost in the group and Chris agrees, I'm thinking is that a sign of things to come? I mean, you know, she ultimately was a solo artist for Warner mm. and a lot of press when they broke up did cite that it was because Sophie was going to be a solo artist for Warner. She's the only one of them that was kept on at the end of the contract right. to be with Warner Music um, with her own solo work. So I wonder if from this very early on, you know, they were already, from a record label perspective anyway, kind of going, okay, well, we know what we have to fit, you know, we know what we need to fit this product that we're launching now, but what can be a product for us in the future? Yeah. And I wonder if that was something, and maybe not, maybe we're just looking too much into it, but I feel like that could have been... Something. Yeah,
2: you might be right because, like, even in Poison, she doesn't really get that much of a lead line. She does a little, like, trill before the last chorus or something. But yeah, yeah, she doesn't really feature that much in the actual vocal mix. Not really, does she? And not
1: really. She doesn't really feature that much in the vocal, the the end vocal for Poison or for the subsequent. Two singles from the debut album, and she doesn't really feature too prominently on the debut album either. All right. Um, on the second album, she she I mean she features, but she doesn't feature too prominently. On the second album, she definitely features much more prominently. You know, she she sings the hook of ASAP and you know right. the lead single and everything of the second album. But, um, you know, that was when they had a different uh, management team and different production behind them, different sound, all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, I did think it was really interesting. But, uh, yeah, anyway, so they uh, they could give Sophie a call in her her lounge room or whatever and, you know, there's they ring her on some kind of, monstrosity of a blue a bright blue <laughs> telephone it's huge it's, it's humongous like some, isn't it it's it like is, and the keys it's so are big. massive
2: it would have come from one of those you know novelty shops like granny Fitz or like what are those what are those called, what are those <laughs> from called what's someone new. yeah what's new <laughs> yeah it had this yeah.
1: weird kind of look to it i was a bit like what is that thing it was so strange it was like a public telephone or something but and the, the whole thing was so late 90s early 2000s you know she's as she answers the phone she's in this kind of twin set this sort of dove grey halter neck and these dove grey cropped capri pedal pusher pants. Yeah. You know, that was such a <laughs> cool right. thing. And she's got like an uh, a choker, like an armband around, like one of those fake henna tattoo armbands that oh, were like yes. around people's arms <laughs> up on their like <laughs> bicep. It's such a such a late 2000s, early noughties kind of look. And, I mean, I'm still here for it because people oh, will yeah, try and course. dress like it today. But
2: My other favourite thing about that scene though is the family is sort of sitting in the background waiting to hear the news and they are sitting... On a couch that's like, it looks like... Covered in blankets? Yeah, it's been covered yeah. up by a blanket. It actually looks like, you know, like the camera crew got there and it was, you know, <laughs> had cigarette burns in it and it was brown and the dog had just weed on it. So, they rushed down to spotlights and grabbed like the most bright blue and green fabric they could find and just like chucked it on quickly. <laughs> Quick, it the phone's about to ring. Like <laughs> Chuck it on, family, sit down. Okay, go.
1: <laughs> it does feel a bit like that, doesn't yeah. it? It is quite weird because the family, there's like, I don't know, I can't remember now, but there'd probably be five or six people, probably all sort of sitting around in the background.
2: I love it, and then um, we had Jemae. Speaking of actually, speaking of fabric, did you spot Jama Kaya, who's one of our favourites, <gasps> I think? And they showed just this little clip of her audition, and it is so strange. She's got this like scarf, like a bit of fabric, and she's sort of doing like a. Dance like she's <laughs> like I don't a sarong know. of some kind. Yeah, she's exactly. flapping about. And she sort of lets it drop to the floor meaningfully and then does a bit of a twist and a turn. And oh. she's kind of the opposite to Dorothy Gutuba, actually, because, you know, the voiceover and the judges saying Dorothy's shy. Whereas Jumei Kea and the family, they keep saying that how shy Jumei is. And yeah. she, all she's doing is doing like the most ridiculous and outrageous, <laughs> like, <laughs> like the biggest grand gestures out of anyone on the show.
1: <laughs> oh, totally. It's like, um, you know, and and she's um, she's um, her mum. You know, says something yeah. like that. They replay a bit of the first first episode, and her mum says something like. She's scared. She doesn't believe in herself still, so we've got to push. And you just think, you've got to push that? That's you pushing? She's so intense. She's so precocious, which I find so loathsome. I can't even tell you how annoying I find this person on <laughs> television, just so painful to watch, can't even tell you. And then the mother, the mother just, I mean, I. she's the kind of woman, if there was a news crew in a local Centro shopping centre out the front of, like, a Leonard's chicken, yeah. she would literally drop her drop her thigh fillets and she would race. <laughs> she would crash tackle. She would drop her marinated thigh fillets and she would crash tackle whoever was in front of that thing just to answer a question. Yeah,
2: grab the hairdryer out of her handbag, <laughs> make sure the, the font is up.
1: <laughs> yep. For a local, she would, for some local news story, she'd be like, yeah. yep, yep, yep. She'd be the first person in front of that camera. I can just imagine.
2: But I mean, the best thing is we get a little peek inside their house as well because <gasps> well, they call Jamae and surprise, surprise! I think, oh, does she get let? She she doesn't go to Sydney, does she? No, she, she doesn't no. go to Sydney. Good grief, no! <laughs>
1: the, the narrator goes, um, she thinks she's good, but will Michael be able to tell her the truth? And I'm like, yeah. Please, Michael, tell her the truth. I'm screaming at the TV 20 years later, tell her the fucking truth. (laughs) Potentially. Once they go to the house, which is so early 2000s, the house is literally like Under the Tuscan Sun style. It's that weird sort of. 2000s Mediterranean terracotta y kind of thing, which at the time was so chic and so fabulous. And you can, you can imagine that that woman, she went, that mother, she went around with Febreze and she sprayed every single surface in that house. And I bet you they walked in and the house smelled like Febreze. It would have smelled like Frangipani Febreze. And she'd have walked in and she would have gone, you know, you can imagine the camera crew would have turned up and she'd have opened the door wide and she'd have gone, hello. Welcome to my home. Please step into my boudoir. And she would have said, you can imagine, she would have, it would have been some big production. Follow moi. <laughs> can I interest you in some coffee or tea or an iced vovo? It's that kind of a thing. I've got some beautiful uh, some beautiful lamingtons or some beautiful um, ca- caramel tarts there if you want some of them. It's the kind of thing. She would have tried to bribe the camera crew. You can imagine, right? And there's all these weird, like, glassy
2: bottles in the background to make it look a bit more Mediterranean. Oh, yeah. And then... In the other corner, there's a lava lamp, which completely breaks the style. <laughs> <laughs> but of the time, I understand. So you. of the time, yeah, we all had lava lamps. <laughs> we did. I loved my lava lamp. <laughs> Actually, I could. I never had one. I think. knew Why not? I didn't have enough pocket money. I would have uh. got one otherwise. We had this big, like, inflatable day glow armchair thing I think that's the, <laughs> the most we dipped into that kind of you know I don't even know what it's called is that raver stuff I don't know I
1: guess I don't know I mean we had all that kind of stuff I remember we had like inflatable armchairs and stuff like fluorescent purple and fluorescent yellow and fluorescent pink and stuff and they were fabulous
2: yeah was I don't know if it was a thing or if they were just super cheap and I don't know probably <laughs> seen them on both, TV. really <laughs> Yeah, and do we see any other? I can't even remember now, God. What's what's happening we, with my memory? We see the other Bardo <laughs> members, right? <laughs> we do. We
1: we get glimpses of the others: Chantel Barry, we get yeah. uh, Belinda Chapel, um, Sally Polaronis, and you know, that, it, Sally. Sally's audition this time, you know, Michael Napthalaya, you know, sort of says, oh, she's got a good voice. And Chris Moth says, all the character is there, which is, you know, good. And we do get a glimpse of Tiffany Wood as well, who has different hair to the first episode. So there must have been a period of time that's passed because she went from having long red hair in the first episode to this episode having like a darker natural hair colour. But she is, again, she's good. She's got that nice husky voice and she's confident. Clearly, Clearly you can tell that.
2: I don't, I can't quite remember what happens. I'm sure we'll get to how she gets into the band in the future. I'm sure um, we will. But yeah. It seems like at the time they still, you know, yeah, they're not really paying too much attention to Tiffany, even though she's like, she sings really, really well. So, yeah, we don't really hang out that much with any of the contestants, particularly other than, you know, tongue piercing, uh, Cherry Pierce. Um, but really, we don't really, I don't know. It's a strange episode. Um, so strange. Like, you see a few of the auditionees and I think a couple of them went on to do other things.
1: They did. They really did. So you get a glimpse of Prinny Stevens, who I completely forgot was even on the show, um, and she got a know. And admittedly, the little snippet they showed of her audition, it wasn't great, but she was 19 at the time. But she's going to have an amazing career. You know, she was on the first series of The Voice Australia you know, many years on from pop stars, obviously. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she went on to be in a whole bunch of different stage musicals, Rent and Oh, What a Night, and she was nominated for a Helpman Award for that. And mm-hmm. she was in The Bodyguard and Aladdin, and I think she even co-hosted The Voice Kids. So she's had a great career since. So Clearly this did not hurt her confidence <laughs> and her drive, and yeah. she's incredibly talented. So we love that Prinny Stevens was a little nugget there. I didn't and, even know The
2: Voice Kids was a thing. Is it the contestants or the judges that are kids in it?
1: I think the contestants, it's like for okay. kids, for, kid, for <laughs> child stars kind of thing.
2: Okay, so it's not like an eight-year-old sitting in the chair waiting to no, it's, around. No, it's, <laughs>
1: it's sort of for like the Nicky Websters of the time to go and audition. Speaking of Nicky Webster, how about <laughs> I the was Olympics? wondering,
2: I was leaving a gap there <laughs> to, as a segment. I was like, I bet there's something to say about Nicky Webster. Speaking, <laughs> speaking <on. laughs> of Nicky
1: Webster, Strawberry Kisses Nicky Webster, you know, I'm hoping that at the 2032 Brisbane Olympic Games we get... A moment of Nikki Webster. I think, think it's, it's going to be the same craving. kind of act,
2: where you know it's going to have Kylie and Nikki doing the similar kind of thing. Maybe. Well, they're certainly
1: <laughs> not going to have Bardot, so yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who else is there? I mean, anybody we could start a perform- campaign
2: to get Bardot at the opening ceremony? We
1: should. Yeah. Anybody that performed at the Sydney 2000 Olympic Games, Tina Arena, I guess we've still got her around, but I don't know that anybody. Is much of a fan of Tina Arena anymore because of some of the controversial things she says. But right. her and we had John Travolta and Olivia Newton John. Really, we had yeah, they sung "Dare to Dream." It was their theme song for the Sydney Olympics. See, oh, right. I remember all this stuff. John These,
2: is not Australian. I just want to take issue with that. What was he Elton? Doing
1: there? Oh, not Elton John. Sorry, John Farnham. John Farnham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not Elton John. Did One I say of Elton the John?
2: No, you said John Travolta. You're thinking oh, Greece. Well, okay, well, yeah. it wasn't John Travolta either. It was
1: Living in John and John Farnham. Okay, yeah. And they sung Dead a Dream. Yeah. It was a ballad. It was the theme song. And we had, um, and I think Kylie did the closing night, not the opening night.
2: No, wasn't that the whole thing that she turned into Nicky Webster?
1: No. Really? That, no, I don't think they so. They were in the I same think...
2: pink dress or something, weren't they?
1: I no, thought... I don't think so. I think what happened was in the first one, in in the original, in the first opening ceremony, like El McPherson comes out in a giant thong. Do you remember this? The giant thong. El i am pretty <laughs> sure El McPherson is carried around.
2: Flip flop for overseas <laughs> listeners. <laughs> I think El McPherson,
1: the body, <laughs> is carried around on a giant thong around the stadium. Um, I think there's a whole bunch of different people that are seeing and perform. And then I think the closing night is Kylie and she performs on a night uh, like this, I think.
2: I'm sure there was like they were wearing the same dress and one was supposed to be a young version of the other. I don't know which way round. <laughs> I
1: think Nikki Webster, she sung a song and she was sort of lifted up in the sky on some like trapeze thing. And I don't think it was an intentional, was it, was it really an intentional link with Kylie Minogue? I don't think it was. I think it was uh, an intentional link with like some kind of, I don't know, some kind of like, you know, I feel like at this point a lot of
2: people thing. would Google it, but what I like more is just trying to like nut it out like in the old days. <laughs> <laughs> Before Google. I know we probably
1: should just take this offline. Pass we will. Pass we will. I think
2: let's just leave it. Let's leave it. <laughs> Pass we will. We can do so, it in our corrections episode next week.
1: <laughs> yeah, we can. We can.
2: <laughs>
1: God, this whole podcast, we should just change the name and change the idea. It's all about corrections. Um, <laughs> the other person we see is Danielle Steerman, who – who was only 19 at the time. She actually goes on to be in series three of Pop Stars and she comes second oh. to Scott Kane. Um, and she does release a solo single later called Tell Me If You Like It, which, of course, I bought. Um, I was probably the only person that bought it. Um, but she <laughs> doesn't care because she's gone on to run a really successful brand-building business called Raw Success. And she's launched her own baby teething products and she sold a couple of them at the end of last year to different people. And, um, yeah, she's a very successful businesswoman and brand builder. So... Um, Danielle Stearman is probably, you know, like Dorothy Gatuba. but she's not looking back worried too much.
2: So not too much sympathy.
1: No. And does she does she get through to the next round? She, she doesn't. She doesn't. Oh, I don't, right. oh, does she? No, I don't think she does. Oh, maybe yeah. she does. Well, I can't we'll find remember.
2: out. Find out in next <laughs> tune in next week when we yeah. find out if any anything we said in this week's episode was correct. <laughs> I'm gonna err on the side of no.
1: Yeah, probably don't.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, Oh they you know who we've missed out our favorite of all of them Katie Underwood
1: listen 23 at the time we will never miss Katie Underwood she no. is you know amazing and remember we stands for Katie Underwood yeah um and I love that then they have the, the the narrator makes this claim her voice was never her strong point but it always improved with each audition I'm like Really? Her voice was never her strong point? Yeah. She's literally the only one of them who is still singing now. She does meditation healing music now. So her voice is so soothing and so calm and so beautiful, she can put people to sleep. And it's
2: just I think it's just because she doesn't have like a a big soprano voice. She's got like a gutsy lower sound, which actually that's exactly what you need if you're trying to blend voices. If everyone's like a shrill coloratura thing going on, then it's going to sound like... Canaries.
1: It was so yeah. weird. And and I think you're right because when you actually hear back all these auditions, a lot of the ones that they, they say no to have this really weird vibrato that they hold on to. It's, it seems so overworked and overdone and so pointless for a pop band. You can just tell that they're trying so hard these girls to impress. Mm. And then you've got somebody like Katie Underwood who just comes in and nails it. She just absolutely fucking wipes the floor with everybody. And then they go, her voice was never really her strong point. Um... I've got an idea. How about you go fuck yourself? Her voice was totally fine. Um, But I love, the other thing that I thought was really interesting in this episode, I love that they also reference, you know, Katie has that something, a presence. And I'm like, yes, yes, she does. That's what it is. You know, she was the first to leave the group, you know, to do her own solo career.
2: She got a job in something like Hair, the musical on the West End or something, didn't she?
1: No, it was an Australian touring production of Hair that she left for. Um, which apparently was brought to her by the pop stars producers, sorry, the um, band managers. Uh And they basically said, hey, look, this offer has come up. Do you want to do it? Yes or no? And at that point the band, the girls in the band hadn't made any money and this job, this gigging job around Australia doing hair, she was going to be paid two and a half grand or three grand or something to do a week. So she was like, yep, okay. So clearly Um, the management uh,
2: could see the band going downhill and they still wanted their 15% from somewhere.
1: (laughs) I yeah. <laughs> think so. And you could kind of see that um, even in this episode when, when the voiceover guy says, you know, she has that something, the presence, you know, it's an early sign of what I suppose we call the X factor now. You know, you can just tell it's it's a bit the same way that they referenced Sophie earlier, you know, they just linger on them ever so slightly longer and they you can just tell that that's clearly already sort of being thought about. And,
2: you know, Sophie's got it, Katie's got it, I think Jackie O has it and Chris Moss has a (laughs) moustache. The temptation is when you're watching reality TV to jump on and make fun of the contestants, I think. But now that we're sort of analysing, you know, this very early proto version of... um, a reality show, I feel a bit of sympathy for everyone who's auditioning, especially at this point. Like they're all trying their hardest and, you know, we're all just sitting at home judging them and then again 20 years later, here we are on a podcast judging them all over again. And even even Jamae, who's clearly, um, she's set up to be a bit of a joke contestant, you know, by the show. She's still doing her best and I'm sure with a bit of guidance she would have been okay, wouldn't she?
1: (laughs) I'll piss off. She was never going to be great. Firstly, okay, let me just address the Jermaine okay. thing, you know, fine, maybe she. Maybe I can see how you would think that she was set up to be a bit of a joke. You can't tell me that the way she took on that first audition, pacing around the room, pushing through the girls, waving that bit of fabric around, screeching at the top of her lungs, excerpts from <laughs> each audition song. Fabric is gun,
2: isn't it? <laughs> it is.
1: It absolutely is. And she can't even do one whole audition song. She does the choruses of each song. Yeah. I mean, the fact that the mother and the grandmother went and then when they do the, the this second episode that we've just watched, you know, when they go to a house and all that kind of thing, it's like maybe they did set her up to be the joke, but really, I mean, she, she walked in there and she did all that. You know, you can't, if you objectively sat there and you took out the voiceovers and you watched that audition, anybody sitting at home is going to just be like, that person is an absolute clown <laughs> just watching it. I mean, I think that's, I'm sure, you know, that's because she's young and she's excited and she wants to be famous and all these different things. And she's been told she's great and brilliant, like a lot of young performers. But, you know, so in in a way it's not really her fault. But I don't have sympathy for people who go on national television by choice and embarrass the shit out of themselves. You know, in terms of everybody else, you know, who auditioned for the show, I think we're looking – it's interesting to look back on it through the lens of today because we look back on it now and we know what was happening but at the time, they didn't know what was happening, yeah, if you know I what do, I mean. Yeah. They, it was the first time that it, this sort of thing had ever been done. They just went to auditions. Yeah. They were no different to every other audition except there were cameras around. And then, you know, the, the band, this was sort of in November, December of 1999, and the show wasn't going to air until April. So this is like a good five or six months beforehand, before there was any kind of whiff of publicity or media around yeah. it. It was just entering a competition from... New Idea magazine and so I think largely these people were just auditioning for a job you know auditioning for a band so yeah so
2: it's kind of half half I reckon because there'd be people there who just thought oh I want to be I love the Spice Girls I want to be a Spice Girl myself and New Ideas telling me here's a yeah. shortcut you know
1: <laughs> De- I mean definitely I mean you know the Spice Girls what were they 1996 and then these auditions were in 1999 um, you know if you really look back on it now pop music really true pop music has never been really appreciated in Australia. Um, You know, unless you've played, you know, every Sunday for the past 10 years in your local pub and you've done a day on the green and you've really, you know, you've done the triple J hottest 100 thing for many, many years. And you've got some kind of grimy independent artist story. Australia really does not nurture pop music. And you can see that today. We've got plenty of great talented people um, and, we just don't really hear anything about them, and I think this is no different. If you think back to the '90s in Australian pop music, <clears throat> you know we think about Kylie in the early '90s, which was really the end of the '80s, yeah. um, and then in the middle of the '90s. Things went really never alternative as
2: well. Sort of it was really alternative.
1: Yeah. You know, Silverchair and Powderfinger and mm. a lot of overseas acts, and then you know. Um, in the late 90s after the Spice Girls made pop c- cool again, you think about all of the things, all the bands, the worldwide bands that we look back on fondly, you know, things like uh, Spice Girls or Five or Westlife or Aqua or Bewitched or any of those kind of really famous. <laughs> any famous, of those one-hit wonders, yeah. <laughs> yeah, all those famous kind of really poppy bands from England or from America, you know, in the later 90s, Britney Spears in 1999, which remember that's the year that pop stars was being auditioned mm. for. So pop was cool again. So I think a lot of these people auditioning, they were really just kind of thinking we're going to be pop stars. I don't think there was much thought. doesn't seem like there was much thought given to the TV angle of it because it had never been done before. Yeah, right. So when you see it retrospectively now, I think that's why I think the editing is so clunky. It looks so cheaply produced. None of the girls really seemed like they kind of were aware too much of like the camera or producers or production or what they should or shouldn't say on camera, how they should or shouldn't present themselves, you know, whether they should watch their body language or how they speak or whatever, or how they dress. And so I think it's quite interesting now to watch it back. So I don't know that I have sympathy for them as such, because I guess watching it today, I have sympathy for them, but then it was what it was. Mm. You know, they they it was it was exactly what it was meant to they be. They had their chance
2: to be on TV. You know, that's what they did. And that's what they took.
1: <laughs> they they took the chance to be on TV and, you know, they rode the wave and it didn't come out for another six months after they all did their auditions and got canned back in Sydney. Yeah. I wonder too, because so, it
2: started in New Zealand, like it's, there'd been much of a wave about. I don't even know who won the New Zealand one where Pop Stars started.
1: The first series of Pop Stars was yeah. in New Zealand and I think the band were called True Bliss, I think. And they, I think again, they had no. They kind of launched, had one hit, and that was kind of it. Um, But, you know, really, you know, with Pop Stars Australia being much, much, much more successful and being, you know, maybe a little more well-known and, and, you know, this this exported a little bit better through Southeast Asia and, you know, they tried to do some stuff in the UK and all of that, which made sense because of the pop thing. But really when you watch the show back now, you can kind of see that they were really just shoehorning five girls into a, into a, brand and it was not really about you know music and you can kind of see that a whole bunch of the auditionees the opera girls the musical theater girls anybody with a bit of alternative style or sort of you know indie kind of flair they all get canned straight away and they pick these girls for the final 25 or whatever it is to go to sydney in the next episode they pick these girls based on looks yep based on can they move and based on can their voices fit into predetermined uh, spaces for the songs that have already been bought and chosen for the debut album.
2: Have we missed anyone? I can't, I don't know, it's late in the day. Um, I have to go cook dinner in a minute.
1: And I have to go out for dinner. Is
2: there anyone we've missed talking about? I think, yeah, it was a, a strange episode. I think, don't worry, anyone listening, it gets more exciting from here on. And and actually, what <laughs> you were saying about people not really producing themselves in front of the camera, I feel like when we get down to the sort of final band, we see a lot more of that and just them being themselves. And uh, so, you know, there's more to come. Don't you worry. <laughs> but for now, anyone, anyone... Yeah. Wanted to make any last comments on before we go and have our respective dinners?
1: No, no, I don't have any last comments. I just think it's really nice to be able to watch this back. It feels really nice to watch it. I don't really watch too much reality television at the moment. I'm now like that's that is first run reality television today in 2021. I feel like I'm I'm probably too cynical for it, and I think it is too overproduced. Yeah. Um, but it is really nice and feels quite wholesome to watch this actually yeah. back. And and of course it's quite fun to reminisce. And of course reminiscing with you is always one of my favorite things to do any on any day ever. Yeah. But um, especially about something like this, which you know I think a lot of people have great affection for. I think the nation was rooting for Bardo. The nation was rooting for whoever was going to win this show. Yeah. You're not a fan
2: of, uh, of reality shows that are first run today, but I have one final question for you. Would you go on Beauty and the Geek? Just to meet Sophie Monk.
1: Would I be the beauty? Um, if if I was the beauty, of course I would. Would I do a reality TV show? Yes, that's probably. You know what? That can be our mini episode for next week. Would I do a reality television show? Yes, I think I would. And let's talk about that. Um, and we'll circle back on Sophie and Beauty and the Geek as well. <laughs>
2: I'm exhausted. I don't know about you, all that pop culture, all that dancing.
1: (laughs) Me too. I can't wait to watch the next episode. I know. I'm really excited. Yeah, let's record
2: one soon, actually. Yeah, I'm itching to find out what happens next.
1: (laughs) Me too. I'm so excited. I want to see who they choose. I
2: I wonder who it could be.
1: (laughs) So, look, if you are loving Alexia while you are listening, wherever you are at home, at work, on the train to work or whatever, um, we have an Instagram. So, Uh, go and follow us. It's at Fruity Alexia Podcast. Send us a DM. um, Chuck us a like.
2: And the best thing about that is you can find via that. You can go to my site and then from there you can go to my Etsy store and buy some of my photographs that no one... I've had an Etsy store now for about a month and haven't sold any yet.
1: (laughs) Shameless self promoter. Literally, I'm going to go on. I keep meaning to do it. I'm going to go on right now and buy one. No, no.
2: There's no pressure. Don't worry. No, Uh, I'm
1: going to do it. So, by the time the next show comes around, I've done it.
2: Anyway, (laughs) rather than me begging my friends i thought it'd be good to beg the listeners of this podcast to follow the link in the <laughs> description to go to our acast support page so you can send fruity alexia a little uh thank you with the dollar sign in front of it
1: don't thank us just send cash Yeah. Look, do you know what? I'm going to start a trend. I'll tell you what. I'm going to buy one of your photos and hopefully from after this episode, other people will go into your Etsy store and buy other ones and support you because I can't bear to sit here watching you without a selfie ring light in front of you with that yellow light (laughs) on you. Looks like you've got I don't know. Looks like you've got jaundice or I don't know a liver infection or something because you're so yellow in that ye- yellow light. Well,
2: I haven't been checked. Maybe I do. Well,
1: there you go. <laughs> it's a shame
2: we can't do what's it called? Not face swap. What's the thing in Instagram where you cover over your pores?
1: <laughs> a face swap on Instagram. What
2: do you mean? What's well, the one where you make yourself look all like you've been in a makeup but instead oh, of like just makes beauty look- face or whatever it's called? Yeah. Do you still use yeah, that I one? Think-
1: We'll well, I don't. Help. I don't use it. I've never used it. I don't have mm-hmm. an Apple. I've only got a Samsung. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've
2: never. Used, I don't have yeah. an Apple.
1: I can't use it. I've only got a Samsung. I don't so What's think the it one you're that.
2: using for your Instagram? <laughs> That's just page. natural,
1: you little bitch. <laughs> my my Instagram yeah. has not been filtered. I don't use a filter. Although when any of my friends use a filter, then I can't repost the photo because they filtered me, and I look I look incredible in the photos. But yeah. it looks like you know somebody's kind of dusted the you know, wiped Vaseline across the camera lens. I, and I look amazing. And suddenly it's to can't...
2: spot the difference between that photo and the other one. In real life.
1: It... <laughs> 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 okay, and after this bullshit, we have to go, you have to go cook dinner for your wife. I have to go and go out and get dinner. I've got a whole so tub of chocolate will... mousse to eat too. You've got chocolate mousse to eat? Yeah,
2: it's like shame mousse. Like, you know, the one you buy in a tub at the supermarket? Shame mousse. That's not good, but you just eat it from a spoon, like with a spoon straight from the tub. That sounds... <laughs> yeah.
1: um, a combination of terrifying and amazing yeah, at the same time. I'll let you know how it goes. Will you enjoy your shame, Moose? Thanks. I'm going to go and enjoy my dinner out. Uh, thank you for listening, people at home or wherever you are. And we will see you next time on Fruity Alexia. You Bye. Thank
2: you. Can you feel it? Hey. um how long how are we doing for time i just thought i'd good okay good we're doing well um sorry excuse me um good husky confident i wish it was soft and silky (laughs) what am i talking about